Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Page 191. So we're in the middle of letter number 11, which deals and addresses the idea of pain and suffering. You know, the Baal Shem Tev said, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid, Hashem should always be before me. So the Baal Shem Tev interpreted Shivisi means that whatever happens to me it should be the same. Good things happen, bad things happen, it's all the same. That even if something is, de- if is deprived, I'm deprived of things, material things, even basic necessities that a person needs, I'm deprived of them. And nevertheless, to me it's all the same. As long as I know that I have Hashem and Hashem is with me, it's all the same. Because I don't care, that's not what I care about. What do I care about? I care about Hashem. And since Hashem is with me, no matter what happens, so therefore, if I do have, I don't have, doesn't shake me up. Doesn't affect me. A person who's external, 1929, people jumped out of windows. You know, this peddler, this, uh, peddled who had a cart, said he told his friends he lost everything in 1929 during the Depression. He says, how can you lose everything? You had nothing. All you had was a cart. He says, yeah, but when the banker jumped out of the window, he fell on my cart. <laughs> it was the end of my cart. <laughs> the, uh, the Jewish people went through a lot worse than the Depression of 1929. They went through Holocaust and pogroms and exiles and hatreds and libels, blood libels, and auto defaces and exiles, destructions, and yet it didn't shake us up. Because we have a connection, we have an identity that's much deeper. It doesn't come from anything external. My identity comes from my relationship with Hashem, my connection with Hashem, and that's unshakable. You could be imprisoned, externally imprisoned, but I'm free inside. No matter what happens to me externally, it can't shake me up. My core remains intact. What are you taking away from me? You're taking away a prop, you're taking away something external. That's not how I define myself. That's not what my life is about. Hashem is constantly before me, and I always have Hashem with me, no matter what happens. Something good, something no good. I'm deprived, it's taken away from me, but my core remains intact. And therefore, everything that happens to me, if God forbid, something is taken away from me, I'm not shaken up that I, I'm, I lose myself. I'm not lost. I'm not lost. My definition, my self-definition is much deeper than anything external. So even if basic necessities, talking about life, health, family, whatever happens, you can't touch my core, my essence. And now he's going to explain, we left off last week, he explained that it goes even deeper than that. 
that not only that it's truly equal to me and it's truly the same, and how do I know it's truly the same? Because even when you take it away from me, even when I'm deprived of it, I don't get excited. A person could say, I'm indifferent. But you're deluding yourself. The proof is, deprive him, take it away from him. You know, a wealthy person says, I don't care about material things. I'm indifferent. I don't get excited about it. Of course you don't get excited about it. Because you have it. Take it away from you and we'll see what excitement means. <laughs> so a person could delude himself. Yeah, I don't care about material things. Let's see what happens when it's taken away from you. Are you completely lost? You're completely floundered. You're all shaken up. You lost your whole identity. You're no longer a mensch. Or is your definition much deeper? That's the proof. If it's taken away from you, and how do you react? So if you react that it's equal, shivisi, it's equal, as the Baal to interpret it, it's the same, Hashem blesses me, or God forbid not, it doesn't affect my, my relay, core relationship with Hashem, then I know that it's for real, that it's truly the same to you. That's, that, that's not how you identify yourself. That's not what your life is all about. It's all external. Even life's basic necessities, it's external, it's not, it's not my essence. But here he's in the saying, it goes much deeper than that. That when something, God forbid, bad happens to a person, he realizes it's all good, it's all blessings. Because, and that's what we left off last week, he was explaining, that since God creates the world each and every moment, and God creates the world with yesh ma'ayin, something from nothing. Nothing refers to the level of chachma, the level of the creative spark, the, the connection to the subconscious, the window to the soul, the sense of the divine. The chachma is the ability to intuit, intuitively intuit and sense the divine. Egolessness, a level of egolessness. To be truly detached, detached from ego and to truly sense the flow, the divine flow of life, the sense that life is dynamic and God is creating the world each and every moment. Because any level lower than Chachma, there the world, the reality is already rigid, it's frozen. Frozen, it's rigid, it's rules, laws, solid, and there's no flexibility. But once you get to the potential, you get to the level of Chachma, there everything is fluid, everything is it's formless, it's shapeless, everything could still be formed and shaped. It's dynamic, it's vibrant, it's infinite. It's, it's, where does all this fluidity begin? Because it's the level of ayin, of egolessness. When a person is ego, ego is solid, is rigid, is fixed, is defined. Our emotions are defined, our feelings are defined, everything is labeled and defined and clear, and, and there's no flexibility. But when, you, when you're able to remove yourself, able to become egolessness, suddenly the whole world comes alive. Suddenly you sense how the world is dynamic, fluid, how God is constantly creating the world each and every moment. And that level, so Chachma itself is ayin, is nothingness, 
And Chachma also comes from nothing. Chachma Chachma comes from the level of nothingness. Chachma is the window to the subconscious, to the soul, to the infinite, to the... So, that's the level of pleasure. Pure pleasure. So the moment you step out of yourself, you step out of the box, you get out of your ego, that's where the creative person is able to step out of the box, is able to step back. And he sees the whole picture. He's able to see the forest from the trees experiencing when you see something you can know something and you can study something but then when you actually experience it and see it you can study Roman history and Greek history can you imagine if you were able to go and take a trip and actually experience it all your learning and all your studies you can't even compare it it's a whole different universe seeing and experiencing it's a whole different level it's qualitatively different it's total immersion, it's personal, it's all engaging, it's seeing the whole picture, seeing the forest and the trees. That's the level of pleasure. That touches on the level of pleasure, the level of soul. It touches you deeply. So when a person is able to step back and see the forest from the trees, is able to see and experience and intuition and to sense, and to suddenly it comes alive. Godliness comes alive. You realize that godliness pulsates throughout the universe. Everything that exists is constantly pulsating. The godly energy, the divine energy is constantly changing and transforming itself into the material. So when you're able to step back, you realize everything is godly. Everything is good. Everything is pleasure. Everything is life. Even what appears to be negative in truth is really good. It's like on the personal level, on the emotional level. We learned earlier, chapter 28, in the first part of the Tanya, and some lessons in Tanya.com, that a person has negative emotions. A person has negative emotions. How do you deal with negative emotions? So there is a path, Alter Rebbe calls, says it's the path of the righteous, of the tzaddikim, it's not for the average person. For the righteous, there is such a path that even negative emotions really comes from a good place, has something good in it. Everything that we experience has a spark because since life is really dynamic, life is really vibrant, our emotions are being processed and recreated each and every moment. So there has to be something good. Even what appears to be a negative emotion, there's, there's a spark, a kernel of goodness in there. And the righteous, the tzaddik, has the ability to step back, to reach a level of egolessness, and therefore, suddenly, the negative emotion now comes to life, becomes vibrant, dynamic, and he's able to extract what's the positive message in that negative emotion, and to extract the positive. Only the righteous. Only the tzaddik, because we, we don't have the capacity to reach a level of egolessness to be able to completely step back. We'll be swallowed up by the negative emotion. A prisoner cannot release himself from prison. We're imprisoned within our emotions. The Benini, 99.9% of us, Halavai, we should be a Benini, we're imprisoned by our emotions. We don't have the capacity to completely step back and to create a space and to reach a level of egolessness and then to be able to sense 
what this emotion is all about. It's, the emotion is just the tip of the iceberg, but there's a whole depth behind this emotion. And there's some positive, and to be able to extract it, and then to be able to shift it, and to change it, and to move forward. We are stuck. So the Rebbe says, don't be a fool. This is only for tzaddikim, a genuine tzaddik. It's not for the average person. You have an emotion, just ignore it, and, and a negative emotion, just ignore it, and, 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 and go forward. But the, the Baal Shem Tev taught, and there is this path, but this path is for the righteous, those who have the capacity that you don't just go forward. Everything that happens in your life is by divine providence. God is creating it at this very moment. So there has to be something good here. It's a process. It's a dynamic. It's vibrant. It's alive. There's a godly spark. There's something good here. There's something positive. You have to be able to create that space. And you have to be able to reach a level of egolessness. And you have to be able to step back. And you have to be able to see the forest and the trees. And then to sense and intuit. And, and get the, the whole dynamic. And then it can shift. And it can open up. And you can be able to extract the good. The, the seed of goodness. That's there, the this doesn't goodness. relate to the average person. doesn't relate to the average person. But this idea that on a real level, on a genuine level, on a deep level, this is the truth. Everything in this world is being recreated by Hashem as we speak, including this negative event. So if Hashem is creating it and it's dynamic and it's vibrant and it's a process, that level of experience is all good, is always good. No matter how negative and how dark and how sad it appears, the truth is, if Hashem is creating it at this very moment, once you're able, to, you're able to step back out of the emotion, you're able to step back out of the, the darkness, then you're able to see that it's really, there's something good. God is creating it. It's dynamic. It's vibrant. It's alive. And then even the negativity has a, a, an energy, has a life force, has a vitality. And therefore it's good. It's not bad. This is a very deep level, a very, the ultimate level, and the highest level. But that's the truth. That is the reality. From Hashem's point of view, that is the true dynamic, what is really taking place. Since Hashem is creating it each and every moment, everything Hashem touches, everything Hashem creates, everything is being recreated in that dynamic, vibrant process. It's all pleasure. It's all life. It's all good. There's no room for any negativity. The what problem is, is in our level. Well, like you said, uh, you know, in terms of it's an energy. Right. We, it's a, but we can't understand its purpose necessarily. The purpose we can't understand. Well, the problem is that in our level, since we are rigid and we are egotistical and we are defined, so we are swallowed up by the negativity. We can't experience that goodness. So to us, all we experience is the negativity and the darkness and the sadness and the, and the heaviness. And the... But the truth is, in God's world, there's nothing heavy. Everything is miraculous. Everything is transformational. Everything is changing each and every moment. The truth is, even our bodies, how, how often does our, our cells change? constantly changing and then every short while it's like a brand new 
So life, we don't sense it that way. We sense life as rigid, as fixed. The more we change, the more we stay the same. Unfortunately for us, that's not how it works. And, um, but the truth is, nothing could be further than the truth. The reality is life is dynamic, life is vibrant, the world is pulsating with the divine energy. It's a process. The modern physicist tells us, what's this table? This is atoms transforming itself, pure energy transforming itself into matter. It appears to be rigid and solid, but nothing can be further than the truth. It's dynamic, it's vibrant, it's a swirl of energy. But we don't sense it that way. But if you truly are in tune, through the le- that's the level of Chachma. The level of Chachma is being truly in tune. What's physics? Getting to the bottom of reality, getting to the core. When you get to the bottom of reality, you realize that the world is dynamic. Nothing is the way it appears to be. And therefore, it's a whole different reality. So when the world is vibrant and dynamic and changing, and then there's no heaviness. Everything that we experience, every single thing that happens to us, has an energy, has a lightness, has a, a goodness, has a godly inspiration. There's nothing that's all heavy and negative. It appears to us heavy and negative because we are heavy and negative. Because we are egotistical. We are rigid. So the whole world looks to us dark, rigid, heavy. But the truth is, from Hashem's point of view, from the truth, physics, getting to the bottom of reality, the way it is, it's not true. The reality is that it's all good. Everything is good. There's nothing, no such thing as heavy. Even the, just, like, just like on the emotional level, for the tzaddik, even the heaviest emotions and the most negative emotions and the most darkest emotions, the Baal Shem Tev says you can transform it. You can turn it into something good. Everything, there's a positive message. You just have to step back. You have to create a space. You have to reach a level of egolessness. You have to see the forest and the trees. And then suddenly, it comes alive. Suddenly, you see the energy. You're able to move forward. You're not stuck. You're not trapped. You're not rigid. You're not heavy. You're not, you don't sink into the, into the sadness. You don't sink into the negativity, into the darkness. Suddenly, it comes alive and you can move forward. There's an energy, there's a positive life force that's there. So everything in this world has a life force. Everything in this world is a godly energy. Because the godly energy is transforming its, uh, at, as we speak into everything that we experience, everything that happens. So once you tap into that energy, you tap into that dynamic, then everything is good. And that's what he calls a level of faith. That's true faith. And even though this may appear to be the level of the highest tzaddik, the complete tzaddik, didn't we say earlier that in chapter 28, that when it comes to your personal emotions, the Rebbe laughs at those who try to approach their negative emotions this way. He says, this is not for you. Don't be a fool. He calls them fools. Don't know their place in life. You're not a tzaddik. You never will be. Don't pretend to be something that you're not. Don't climb on, 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 cliff, on straight walls. Just, just realize who you are and realize your limitation. And, and but the truth is, when it comes to faith, every Jew has faith. Every Jew has that inherent faith. Every Jew has that capacity, infinite capacity for faith. There's no limit when it comes to faith. The difference in the tzaddik and those who are not a tzaddik is only when it comes to the intellect, how deep your understanding is, how crystal clear your sense of godliness is, your emotions. But when it comes to faith, every Jew has absolute, infinite faith. 
the simplest Jew the Baal Shem Tov taught his students, sometimes as greater faith and the greatest rabbi, mystic, and scholar. The Baal Shem Tov would take his students to teach them lessons from the simplest Jew. Because it comes to faith, all better off. The simplest Jew could perform the greatest miracles. The simplest Jew could give the greatest blessings. Because it's faith, the soul. Every Jew is a piece of the divine essence. It's unlimited. The capacity that each and every one of us carries. Our faith, there's absolutely no limits. So if this is the level of faith, to believe that everything that God does is good, not only that everything that God does is for the good, that it's a means to an end. No. What he's saying here is that everything that God does is good. Is good. Not it will be good. It's a means to an end that will lead to something good. It's terrible, but it's going to lead to something good. It is good. It's like the famous two stories in the Talmud. The difference between Rabbi Akiva and Nochem Mishgamzu. Rabbi Akiva would always say in Aramaic, Whatever God does this is for the good. Even if I don't understand it, but it's for the good. And the Talmud tells a story, Rabbi Akiva was once traveling, Rabbi Akiva led the Jewish community, he also went fundraising, and he uh, traveled to a town, and uh, this town was particularly uh, miserly. No one invited him in, no one gave him a dime, no one even invited him in to sleep over, to have a meal. You know, in those days, there's no motels, <laughs> Motel 6. He's stranded in the middle of a town. Nowhere to eat, nowhere to sleep. It's turning dark. Well, what does he have? All he has with him, he has his donkey, he has his rooster. And um, you know, to wake him up in the morning, and he has, he has his donkey, and he has a candle to, to study at night. So he takes his donkey, and he takes his rooster, and he takes his candle, and goes in the outskirts of the town and camps out. No one invites him in. To make matters worse, a wind came and blew out his candle. That wasn't bad enough. The cat came and ate the rooster. If that wasn't bad enough, the lion came and killed his donkey. So he's, he's like, his worst day of his life. You know, this is Rappaport's law. You know what Rappaport's law is? Everyone knows of Murphy's law. Yeah. You, know, you know Rappaport's law? Rapport's law states that Mr. Murphy was an optimist. So, <laughs> so anything that went wrong, could go wrong, went wrong, and worse. Everything. Not, he couldn't, didn't collect a single dime. No one took him in. He's hungry, he's starving, he's left out in the middle of the field. Everything was taken away. What does God want from his life? But what was Rabbi Kiva's response? He said inwardly and outwardly, whatever God does is for the good. Have complete faith in God, whatever he does. That night, a band of bandits, marauders, came into town. They took everyone into captivity. Had his donkey been alive, they would have heard the neighing of the donkey. Had they seen the candle, had they heard the rooster, they would have come to collect Rebekiva. So he saw, he didn't have to wait long. He saw that everything that happened to him was, was for the good. It was a terrible thing. It was a traumatic experience. At the time, Rabbi Kiva had no idea. But he had faith. God is running this world. God loves me. Everything that he's doing is for the good. I don't understand it. I don't see it. I don't appreciate it. But I know. I have full faith that God is running this world. And everything he's doing is for the good. And he didn't take long. And he immediately saw that it was a blessing. It saved his life. That's the story of Rabbi Kiva. But then there's Nochem Mishgamzu. Nochem Mishgamzu was previous generation, he lived in the land of Israel, and he said, 
in Hebrew. He would say whatever, whatever happened, he would say, Gam Zulutayva. This is good. This is for the good. Rabbi Kiva said it in Aramaic, he said it in Hebrew. Rabbi Kiva said, whatever God does is for the good. Nachem Mishgamzu was a generation earlier, was a greater Tana, and he said, whatever God does is good. What was the story, the famous story? The Jewish people decided to pay tribute, to send a gift to the Roman emperor. So they sent Nachem Mishgamzu as their representative, this holy saint as their representative to Rome, to offer, to pay a tribute to the Roman emperor. Rabbi Nochem Gamzu stops at the inn, he was innocent, he was trusting. The innkeeper starts inquiring, he saw him carrying his huge chest. He says, what's going on? He's told him the truth. He says, I'm a representative of the Jewish people and I have a chest filled with gold and silver and diamonds and jewels and pearl. Rabbi Gamzu was a very holy Jew. So while he was busy praying and studying, he was completely oblivious to the surrounding, the innkeeper, meanwhile, emptied out the chest, kept for himself all the, all the jewelry, and he filled it up. He dug from his backyard, he dug it with sand. Maybe he left a little jewelry on top so he wouldn't notice, but it was all filled with sand. So Nochem Gamzo, innocent, didn't suspect. He wakes up in the morning, he thanks his host for his gracious hospitality, and he lifts the chest and he goes on to Rome comes to Rome, he asks for an audience with the emperor, and he says, I have a gift, I bear with me the gift from the Jewish people and their appreciation to your highness. And the king is sitting there with all his ministers, and they open the box, and what do they find? A box filled with sand. The king was up, the emperor was up, apoplectic. He says, what are they, all the ministers were in uproar, look at the Jewish people, they're insulting you. For this alone, we have to go to war. This is an act of war. This is an insult. Look, what was it? Gamzu's response? Gamzu This is good. And Elijah the prophet came dressed up as one of the ministers who was absent that day. And he says, wait a minute. Even the anti-Semites, no one accused, ever accused the Jewish people of being foolish. Do you think they would send you a box of sand there? I mean, come on. You know what kind of sand this is that they've brought to you? You know the patriarch Abraham, the father of the Jewish people? The Torah says he fought the four kings, these mighty kings, almost single-handedly. Him and with 318 18, uh, servants, they were able to take on four kings, these powerful, mighty kings. You know how? Because he had this miraculous sand. This was the first Iron Dome. And he took the sand and he threw it and it turned into spears and miraculously he was able to defeat. And the Roman emperor then had a war with his neighbors. For years, it was going back and forth, it was indecisive and he couldn't win, he couldn't vanquish his enemies. So they decided to test. They kept Nochemish Gamzu, they took the sand, brought it to the front line and lo and behold, it was miraculous sand. It saved the war. The king was so gracious. The king was so thankful, grateful. He says, you know, this is the best gift you can give me. The truth was, you think he's impressed with a box, a case of jewels and silver. He had more, more jewels and gold. and it was, a, it was a thought that counts. But here, this was a war that was bankrupting him and he, he couldn't win this war. And now, because of the gift of the Jews, he decisively won the war. 
After this, he was so grateful, he sent back the Jew with a whole box of, of jewelry and gold and silver and diamonds and, and pearl and he, he gave him off taxes and he blessed the Jewish people and was thankful for the Jewish people. On the way back to Israel, Nachemish Gamzu stops at the inn. He's shocked to see <laughs> Nachemish Gamzu still alive. The innkeeper says, so how did it go? Oh, Nachemish Gamzu was very sincere. He told him the truth. He said, it was unbelievable. What a miracle. I don't even know what happened. I don't know how sand got into there, but <laughs> God made a miracle. And the king was so grateful. It was, it was better than any gift we, we could have given him. He thinks to himself, well, I know where that sand came from. This miraculous sand is my sand in my backyard. Oh, I'm going to load him up with a few, a few boxes of sand. So the next day, he digs a few boxes of sand, comes to the emperor, and he says, you know where that sand came from? It's in my backyard. The emperor says, fine. They put him on hold. They put him on the side. They took it to the front line. Of course, <laughs> nothing happened, and he got his just, just dessert. He was beheaded. Um, but Nachem Gamzu said that this is good. It's not that it was something bad and which led to something good. In the case of Rabbi Kiva, something bad happened. He didn't earn a penny. He was repudiated. He was lost. He was alone. He was in the dark. It was, it was a horrible experience. But he had faith. Whatever Hashem does is for the good. In the case of Nachem Gamzu, this itself was good. The sand itself became the blessing. What appeared to be negative actually became the greatest blessing. This is a much higher level. This is the level that he's discussing here. When you reach the level of Chachma, when you're able to sense the godly energy and to sense the ayin, you're able to become ayin, nothing, egolessness, egolessness, and you're able to tap into that dynamic and vibrant and realize and sense how Hashem is constantly creating the world each and every moment. So everything that happens in our lives, at this moment, God is creating it. How could there be anything negative? When God at this very moment is bringing it into existence and bringing this experience into existence and bringing me into existence. And that energy, it's full of life. It's full of energy. And if I tap into it and I reach a level of egolessness, which is a level of true faith, then it's pleasure, it's life, it's inspiring, it's uplifting. There's no heaviness, there's no darkness, there's no sadness, there's no negativity. It's all good. So it's not only that good and, and bad are the same to me. There is no bad. Everything is good. Everything is alive. Everything is dynamic. This is faith. This is the ultimate faith. Page 191, I believe we're... Now when a man will contemplate. Now when a man will contemplate in the depths of his understanding and will moreover picture in his mind how he comes into being ex nihilo at every single moment so that he is affected at every moment of his existence by Hashem's wisdom. Or since we're talking about the level of Chachma. It's not enough to know this, to contemplate, even in depth. You have to visualize it. You have to use your imagination. You have to imagine it. It has to be vivid. It has to be crystal clear. It has to be something you can envision. Because only then, when you can see it, almost as if you can see it. He says you have to imagine it in your mind, as if you can see it. 
When you see a painting, when you see something and you experience it, it's a whole different level. So when you're able to sense and to see and to imagine and to picture how the Hashem is creating the world each and every moment and everything is dynamic and vibrant and you're able to step back and actually experience it and see it and you're able to create that egolessness and that sense of space that allows you to sense the vastness, how, how so full of life and so rich and so everything is, then continue. How can he entertain the thought that he is suffering or has any affliction related to children, life, etc., health and sustenance, or whatever other worldly sufferings? For the iron, which is Hashem's Chachmah, is the source of life, goodness, and delight. It is the Eden that transcends the world to come. The world to come, the Garden of Eden, is the most sublime form of bliss experienced by the soul in apprehending godliness. This level, lofty as it may be, is, however, but a garden, a stage once removed from the spiritual delights which flow to it from the source which is called Eden. It is this level of divinity that constantly creates and vitalizes all living beings. The Garden of Eden, this Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, that comes from Eden. The Garden is the comprehension of God. So that's, that is the most sublime level, the highest level of the world, the most inner level. But that's already a level of understanding, which is when we are removed and we don't truly experience. Then there's Eden itself. Eden itself is the very source. As it says, Ayin Leiros. The Eden itself, the I, it's beyond our comprehension. It's totally beyond our understanding. Because it's experience. It's beyond understanding. It's like a difference between hearing and seeing. No comparison. Understanding and experiencing. There's no comparison. You can't even compare the two. You can understand something well, you can understand it in depth. But it's understanding. It's dry. It's It's external. It's, it's dull in a certain sense. It's not versus experience. When you experience something, it comes alive. It's colorful. It's, you, know, there's no, you, you can't even compare. And that's something that's really beyond comprehension. Because that God is creating the world each and every moment. This is something that's a level that's beyond logic. It's not, not, it's not even logical. But it's the reality that God is creating the world each and every moment. That everything is dynamic and everything is vibrant and everything is a process. And we're just the and, and this process is a continuous process. Dynamic process that's ongoing each and every moment. It, it's it's more of an intuition, it's more of a sense. Because the whole frame of reference of logic and rational is where everything is rigid and everything is defined and everything is limited versus the truth and the reality is that nothing is rigid. Everything is truly fluid and everything is truly vibrant and dynamic. So it's a whole different take on life, it's a whole different experience of life. It's a whole different reality. 
It's like two different realities. This is like a flat, two-dimensional reality, the world of intellect, even the most sublime level of intellect, the garden, the garden of Eden. But it's a flat, two-dimensional experience in comparison to the Eden, the source, which is three-dimensional, which is vibrant, dynamic, alive. All different realities. All different experiences of reality. And at that level, there is no pain. There is no suffering. There's no heaviness. It's all good. It's all pleasure. It's all life. It's alive. It's inspiring. It's whole. It's uplifting. It's Hashem. Hashem's energy. Hashem's infinite energy that's constantly creating. So once you reach a level of egolessness, there is no suffering. Suffering only comes from ego. When a person is ego, a person is rigid and fixed and limited then you experience suffering. The more egotistical a person is, the more, the more suffering they experience. The more egotistical a person is, the smallest thing already you feel pain and suffering. Anything doesn't go your way, you're already suffering. There's no flexibility. There's no, you don't have the capacity to deal. Any, any negativity crushes you. No nation on earth went through what the Jewish people went through. No nation on earth, not even close. And yet it doesn't crush us. It didn't crush us. Here we are, 3,800 years later, after everything we went through. You can't touch us. The less egotistical you are, the more egoless you are, then there is no pain or suffering. You're tapping into, you're connected to a level that's eternal, that's alive. It's dynamic, vibrant, full of life. It's untouchable. That's faith. When the tough gets go, when the, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. That's what separates the men from the boys. Then you see what real faith is. The Jewish people went through hell, and you see what real faith is. And not only they survived, but they thrived and continued to thrive. The spirit is strong. The morale is strong. We, we experience things that would have crushed anyone. And yet we picked ourselves up. This is pure faith. Because when you're plugged in, when you're so connected and so plugged in to the source of life, to Hashem, then everything, we're attached to life and connected to life and to wholesomeness and to pleasure and to inspiration and to goodness. So this is the level of Eden, which is way beyond the level of comprehension. It's not just philosophy. It's not just we're a nation of philosophers. We're able to philosophize about pain and suffering. You can't philosophize about pain and suffering. All the philosophy in the world doesn't help you with pain and suffering. But it's that pure faith, that simple faith, that infinite wellspring, that infinite depth of faith, which beats in the heart each and every one of us. And you see that. People who have challenges, where do they get the strength? The sense of hope. The sense to go forward. The ability to go forward, to pick themselves up. and to, They're tapping into this faith. Whether they call it by name or they don't call it by name. But 
they're just tapping into that infinite wellspring of faith. This is the moment of truth. This is when you see what a person is really made up of. What really drives us, what really gives us our strength. So he said, this is the level of Eden. Now, the problem is that we don't always live in that level of faith. We don't always experience that faith. So because we don't live in the level of faith, so on the lower level, on the lesser level, the more egotistical we are, and on the level of, of the garden even, there, the pain of suffering, we experience this pain of suffering. We experience that heaviness, we experience that darkness, and, and it suffocates us, and it's oppressive, and, and we experience it as negative, as negativity, something bad, something negative because we can't comprehend it. And on the level of comprehension, you can't comprehend it. It's only with faith, only on the level of faith, on the level of seeing and experiencing and intuiting and sensing, only on that level could you tap into that, that it's all full of life. Everything that happens to us is full of life and is dynamic and is uplifting and wholesome and good and filled with life and pleasure but that's only if you're on the level of faith if you're not on the level of faith then you can't experience it they tell the story that the third Lubavitcher Rebbe one of his chassidim his daughter was a newlywed and she was not happily married So her father would make pilgrimage to the Rebbe once a year. So he asked the father, next time you go to the Rebbe, please ask him permission. I want want his permission. I want to divorce my husband. I'm I'm just not happy. And the Rebbe says, absolutely not. Tell your daughter she she should not divorce her husband. Anyway, it's fine. The Rebbe says not, there's not. When you ask the Rebbe a question, you better be prepared to, to listen. Anyway, things got worse. She just couldn't take it anymore. Next year again, she says, tell the Rebbe, please, I'm begging, I'm pleading. I, I just can't take it. I'm not happily married. I, need, I have to get out of this marriage. And, you know, they had, they had no children, so I just, just, just want to get Again, the Rebbe said no. The third year, her father went. She said, you know what? If the Rebbe wants to live with my husband, that's fine. But I, I can't live with my husband. So I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave my husband. I don't care. I'm sorry. I'm, the Rebbe says no, but I just can't handle it another moment. And she went and divorced. And she remarried. Remarried. And they couldn't have any children. She asked the father, next time you go to the Rebbe, please ask him for a blessing. I should be able to have a child. She came to the Rebbe. He came to the Rebbe and asked a blessing for my daughter. The Rebbe says, what do you want from my life? I, I told your daughter not to do divorce. In other words, I thought the Rebbe was getting back at her. You didn't listen to me, okay, so I'm depriving you of my blessing. The Rebbe was explaining how this works. Obviously, 
by the rules of nature, by the laws, the rigid laws of nature, she could not have a child. But had she had faith, what the Rebbe was telling her was really what Hashem was telling her. That everything that God does is for your good. Had she lived up to that level of faith, then she would have seen that it was good. She would, she would have been able to have a child. Who knows? Was it worth a little suffering to have a child? Who knows? That wasn't a question she asked. Right. Maybe, maybe after she had a child, she would have discovered ways to love her husband. But if you operate on the level of faith, then miracles can happen. Anything can happen. If you really have faith, that Hashem is really running this world and guiding this world and every detail and everything Hashem does is good. It's not just random or accidental. No mistakes. Hashem didn't make a mistake. Everything that happens is good. Then, it's good. And had you had that faith, then you would see that it's good. But because she didn't have that faith, you want to play by the rules of ego, the rules of nature. I can't help you even if I wanted to. You can't. By those rules, these are the rules. These are, there's nothing I can do. But if you have a level of faith, and you experience a level of faith, then it's not bad. Then you'll see it's all good. But why does it appear to you to be as negative? And you can't stand it, and you can't take it, and you can't tolerate another moment. It's because you're not operating on faith. So on, the, on a lower level, yes, it appears to be very dark, and very heavy, and very oppressive, and very negative, and very rigid. And you're stuck. There's nothing you can do. I'm not supposed to ask questions. Why would Alter Rebbe teach us something that it, it, it can never apply to us. No. So the point is, A, it could apply, because when it comes to the level of faith, every Jew has faith. And every Jew, our faith is infinite. The simplest Jew could have sometimes a greater faith than the greatest tzaddik. Our soul is unlimited, our faith is unlimited. So this applies to every single Jew. That's on one level. And the other level, we discussed this the introductory class, that because this is a test if Hashem tests a person we shouldn't be tested but if Hashem tests a person that alone gives you the energy and the strength that you could reach this level if Hashem singled you out and tested you and you have to undergo these terrible tests that means that Hashem is giving you arming you with special strength that you could reach the level this level of the tzaddik this highest level that's what the Rebbe addresses the letter in the singular. It's the only letter that's addressed in the singular. Even though this is uh, included because it's a letter written to everyone, and it's a book of Beninim to everyone, and yet it's written in the singular because the Alter Rebbe is saying that if you, he calls it a test, it's a test of faith. If God is testing you, the test itself has the ability to elevate you. Test in Hebrew comes from the word Nisayon, which also means nace, to lift up to raise a flag, to lift up. 
So the test itself has the ability to raise you, to lift you up, to give you the strength to reach that transformation, to reach the level of the tzaddik. So this does apply, especially the one who's suffering. Yes, yes, that's faith. That's, That's faith, that's Jewish faith. We have a level of pure egolessness, a level of pure faith. And if you hold on to that level and you reach that level, then, then your response to life is exactly everything Hashem does is good. Everything is full of life. The famous story with Rabbi Zusha, he says, you know, one of the students of Rabbi Dover, the Magnum is rich, asked him, how do you explain the Mishnah? It says you have to thank God. You have to bless God for the bad that happens in your life the same way you bless God and thank God for the good things that happen in your life. And the Talmud adds, you have to receive it with joy. And he asked his Rebbe, Rabbi Dov Ber, it's humanly impossible. Rabbi Dov Ber says, go to my chassid, go to Rabbi Zusha of Anipola, travel to Anipola, go to Rabbi Zusha, and he'll explain to you this passage in the Talmud. So the student goes, he's never seen such poverty in his life. The kids were running with tatters, no shoes, there was nothing to sit on in the house. And he invited him. He said, listen, I don't have much. Whatever I have, I'll share with you. Please, he welcomed him into his house. He's watching a day, two days, three days. He doesn't see. So after a few days, he, t- he tells Rabbi Zusha, he says, you know, the Rebbe sent me to you um, because I didn't understand the passage in the Talmud that you have to thank Hashem for the bad just like you have to thank Hashem for the good and you have to receive it joyfully. How is this possible? Rabbi Zusha looked at him and says, I'm shocked. I have no idea. Why would the Rebbe send you to me? What do I know about the subject? What do I know about pain and suffering? I never suffered a day in my life. <laughs> he got his answer. For the complete tzaddik, everything is good. Tzaddik v'tayvle, whatever God gives him is good. There's no suffering. God gives him with the right hand, gives him with the left hand. It's all from Hashem. It's all the same. Hashem deprives, takes away. It's all Hashem. And it's all good. It's Hashem's world. Hashem is creating the world each and every moment. It's full of life. It's, it's energetic. It's wholesome. Hashem is... So everything is good. There's no darkness. There's no heaviness. There's no negativity. There's no evil. There's no bad. It's all good. Everything is good. So if Hashem is testing a Jew, Hashem puts him under these, such a test, Hashem is giving him the strength to reach to such a level to reach this level, which is the highest level. But when a person doesn't have this faith, on the lower level, it appears to be negative. It appears to be bad. Except that because it is not apprehensible, one imagines that he is suffering or afflicted. In truth, however, no evil descends from above and everything is good. Though it is not apprehended as such because of its immense and abundant goodness at a level which is inconceivable to man. The rabbits and Rivka, the Rabbi Marash's Rebetzin once said, he says, it says, in ra No evil descends from above. It's a quote from the Medrash. There is no evil above. He says, and, and yet, negative things Hashem gives us in abundance. It says, Hashem says, I have the money and I have the silver and I have the gold. That he has in abundance. And that he doesn't give us. <laughs> the, ah, the bad things which he doesn't have at all. In heaven there is no bad. That he gives abundance. But the 
money that he has, that he doesn't get. You know, she was very, she was very sharp. The life force of all things, even those that we perceive as evil, as found within its source, is truly good. In fact, it is such a lofty manner of good that remains faithful to its source, and as such is not apprehensible to man as good. And this it differs from the other form of good that is able to descend to so low a level that even mortals can perceive its goodness. This higher form of goodness, because it retains its status at the outset of its revelation, is clothed in this world in a garb of pain and evil, inasmuch as its goodness has yet to be revealed to man. This may be more fully understood in light of the Alter Rebbe's explanation of the verse, Happy is the man whom you, Hashem, chasten. In the original of this verse, in the Holy Tongue, the divine name is spelled with a Yud and He, which are also the first two letters of the four-letter divine name. The Alter Rebbe explains there that suffering stems from the revelation of these first two letters in the hidden world, i.e. on a plane which is hidden from our understanding, before the revelation of the latter two letters, Vav and He, descends into the revealed world. Thus, suffering, as found within its source, is truly good. In this spirit, the Alter Rebbe explains the conduct of Nachum Ishramzu, whose response to all occurrences was the remark, Gamzu Latova. This, too, is for the good. This remark not only meant that an event that seemed to be evil would eventually evolve into good, but that the event itself, by virtue of its source, was good in its present form as well. Its inherent goodness would be revealed at some later t- date. Rabbi Lamelech of Lijens, great Hasidic Rebbe, a colleague of the Alter Rebbe, he was known, famous, when there were terrible decrees against the Jewish community in Poland. He, through his prayers, he would uh, nullify, nullify the terrible decrees. And uh, when he passed away, students thought, a tzaddik, a righteous Jew, is stronger after he passes away than before he passes away. So surely, if this is what the Rebbe was busy with while he was alive, surely after he passes away, he will uh, surely, in heaven, make sure to nullify all the terrible decrees. Decrees came and went, and, and uh, they were not nullified. So the students were shocked. What happened? What happened to our Rebbe? Where's Rabbi Lamelech? Why isn't he storming heaven and earth? And uh, the Rebbe, Rabbi Lamelech, came to one of his students in a dream and he told him, he said, what should I tell you? Here, up here in heaven, I see things differently. Everything is good. I see things crystal clear. So you have to go to a tzaddik who's alive in this world. Who's, who's experiences human pain, and he he'll storm heaven and earth to avert a terrible decree. But from our perspective up here, there is, everything is good. There is no negativity. There is no, you know, it's like it's like the the aborigine. Imagine the aborigine walking into civilization for the very first time in his life and walks into a hospital. He walks into New York Cornell. And he sees his ten men, women in white coats, taking this help person, strapping him to a bed, taking out sharp knives, cutting him open. What would be his, his perspective? Bloody murder. A bunch of heartless, cruel murderers. And the truth is, nothing would be further than the truth. He doesn't see the bigger picture. This is the most humane 
kindest, most compassionate thing. Yes, he's cutting him open. Yes, there's blood all over the place. And yes, it's not for the faint of heart, but it's, they're saving his life. But he, he can't see that. His, his aborigine mind can't figure that out. He doesn't understand it. Multiply that infinite times. The difference in us and Hashem. So from our perspective, it appears to be bad and negative. But from a higher point of view, from a higher perspective, from Hashem's point of view, everything is good. It's good. It's not negative. It's all positive. We can't see it. We can't perceive it. We can't experience it. The six million, we call them Kedoshim. They were the holy ones the holiest generation of Jews that ever lived. They died in Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name. Rabbi Yosef Karo, the Beis Yosef, yearned all his life and was promised that he will have the merit to give up his life for Hashem, for Hashem's sake. And yet he was punished. At the end, it didn't happen. He lived to a ripe old age and he wrote the Shulchan Aruch which guides us till this very day. And yet it was considered a punishment that he did not reach the level of Kiddush Hashem, of sanctifying God's name. And here you had the holiest generation of Jews, the highest level that any Jew could ever reach. You have, you have two different perspectives. You have from, from a divine perspective, from a godly perspective, from the ultimate perspective, from a, uh, from a heavenly perspective. This was the holy, holiest generation ever. The most special generation ever. From a human perspective, we can't even, we can't even begin to fathom the evil, the cruelty, the harshness, the it's just beyond it's just beyond comprehension it just gives us the shivers every time we even think about it men, women, children killed, attacked cruelly just because they're Jewish no other crime only because they were Jewish babies it's beyond horror beyond horrors you can't even begin to But there's a whole different perspective. We can't even begin to fathom. God forbid, nothing to do with punishment, nothing to do with the holiest Jews that ever lived, the holiest generation of Jews that ever lived. Kiddush Hashem died on Kiddush Hashem. Every one of them. A level that even Rabbi Yosef Karo did not merit. And Rabbi Kiva all his life yearned and said was waited for the moment when he can at the age of 120 when he can give up his life in Kiddush Hashem when he was cruelly tortured by the Romans he gave up his life for Hashem so this is a whole different perspective so simultaneously you have two different dimensions you have external dimension from the outside looking in which is our perspective we are blind, deaf, and dumb. We don't see, we don't hear, we don't sense, we don't perceive, we don't understand. You know, as the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe said, when it comes to not understanding, we're all billionaires. 
Some of us are even trillionaires. <laughs> our level of under, not understanding, our depth of ignorance is so deep. And then there's, there's a higher perspective, a whole different point of view. We, can, we cannot even fathom. We can both be looking at the same thing and we see two different realities. You know the famous, uh, what's that famous picture? You see two, either two, two profiles or you see a vase. Depends how you look at it. You, you look at the vase, you swear it's a vase. And then suddenly it hits you. It's not a vase. It's two profiles. It's the same reality. What am I seeing? I'm seeing two different things. What is the correct reality? What is the correct perception? So of course Hashem's perception from the inside out, the heavenly perception, that's the correct perception. But we don't see it. We don't sense it. So on our level, it's pain, and it's heavy, and it's dark, and it's horrible, and it's horrific, and it's, it's tragic, and it's, it's, it's painful, and it's filled with pathos, and anguish, and, and negative. And... But then there's a whole different universe. How do we tap into that universe? That's faith. Faith. With faith, we can see a whole different reality, experience a whole different reality. That's the power of faith. Many people who suffer say they, they're envious of people who have faith. Because if you don't have faith, it's, it really is a tragedy. There is, you have no way of dealing with it. All the logic in the world, and all the philosophy in the world, and all the understanding in the world, and all the brilliance in the world, doesn't cope you. Doesn't, doesn't give you the tools to really deal with pain and suffering. But when you have faith, it's a whole different, whole different world. And faith in Hashem, that gives you comfort, that gives you hope, that gives you strength, that gives you energy, that gives you life, that gives you Without that, you're lost. But faith is not a let's pretend, a let's make believe. Faith is reality. Faith is true reality. Faith is experiencing reality as it truly is. From the inside out. From God's point of view. As reality truly happens. It's our reality which is a make-believe and it pretend, let's pretend and it's upside down and it's limited. It's like taking a three-dimensional reality and, and trying to project it in a two-dimensional surface. You end up with a cartoon. It's our reality which is cartoonish and off and limited and distorted and disconnected and whole idea that we're rigid and we're stuck and we're heavy and it's so not real, it's so not true. Nothing could be further than the truth. When in fact God is creating the world each and every moment. In fact the world is dynamic, full of life. Everything is filled with life and hope and strength and uplift and energized. But the only way to access it is through faith. And this is the essence of the faith of which man was created, to believe that there is no place void of him, i.e. Hashem is everywhere. And in the light of the king's countenance, 
there is life. When one encounters with him face to face, he is granted life. If in the temporal world of man sentenced to death should encounter his king, his sentence may be commuted and he is granted life, for in the light of the king's countenance there is life. The same is true above. The omnipresence of Hashem, the king of the world, provides everything with life. It's a rule, it's a law, a royal law, that if, even if you're sentenced to death, but if you encounter the king, and you come face to face with the king, the king is life. So you, your sentence is commuted. So how much more so in the divine law, with the divine king, that if you truly sense that you're in God's presence, you truly sense that Hashem's face is right here, where Hashem is, where the king is, there's life. But where the king is, there's joy. There's no room for moroseness. There's no room for negativity. Where the king is, there's life and there's hope and there's strength. So when a Jew truly senses and truly feels there's no space empty of Hashem, not just in heaven, here, my personal experience is everything that I'm experiencing. Hashem is with me. Hashem is here. And you truly sense that you're in the presence of Hashem. In the presence of Hashem, your death sentence is commuted. All there is is life and there's hope and there's joy and there's strength and there's energy and there's so then there's no room for moroseness there's no room for any negativity for heaviness and this is the faith that a person was created this is really the essence of it this is where you can tell if a person truly has faith a person can claim he has faith but the moment something doesn't go my way I fall apart it's not faith Things are really challenging. And yet, you still have courage and strength and filled with energy and hope and vitality and joy and and goodness. And then that's a sign of faith. Accordingly, strength and gladness are in his place. The fact that God is found everywhere should encourage a man by strengthening his trust and thereby fill him with joy. For whatever predicament he finds himself in, there is, God is there too. And wherever God is present, there is strength and gladness, because he is but good all the time. Therefore, first of all, man ought to be happy and joyous at every time and hour, and truly live by his faith in God, who animates him and acts kindly towards him at every moment. Since God is creating us each and every moment, and we're constantly in Hashem's presence each and every moment, therefore, we should always be joyful, and we should always recognize Hashem is acting kindly towards us every moment. Someone wants to ask the Rebbe, how are you? And he says, thank God, I'm always joyful. The Rebbe had a very personal, challenging life. He lost his father at a young age, who was exiled, and his life was shortened, of that exile. He lost a brother. Um, one brother was killed by the Germans and then the other brother died very young. And, uh, you know, and yet, the Rebbe says, Baruch Hashem, thank God I'm always joyful. Once a chassid came in to the Rebbe and he was a little morose, he was a little depressed. The Rebbe says, with moroseness, don't stand in my four cubits, out of the, my room. He, he 
couldn't, couldn't tolerate. The Rebbe's signature was joy. He rejoiced. He made everyone around him rejoice. He was constantly full of energy and vibrant and vitality and strength and hope and faith and trust. And so full of life, so full of energy because if you truly believe in Hashem, you truly see and sense Hashem, you truly reach a level of egolessness and then everything is good. Hashem is constantly doing good. Everything Hashem does is good. And, and um, this is the true level of faith. And this is our strength. We are not the generation. We're not the most brilliant generation of Jews that ever lived. <laughs> We're not the sharpest pencils. <laughs> We're actually the soles of the soles of the feet. The bottom, scraping the bottom of the barrel. What is our strength? Faith. That is who we are. That is our strength. We don't have any other strength. That simple faith that enabled us to overcome communism, godless atheism, to overcome the Holocaust, and to overcome this aggressive atheism and assimilationism that we faced here in the West and able to overcome all the anti-Semitism, and to overcome all that hatred, implacable hatred. This is faith. This is our strength. This is what we're all about. This is who we are. This is what kept us going for 3,800 years. This is the thread. This is the theme, the consistent theme that goes through us. Avramu was tested ten times, and we've been tested ever since. It never stops. Till Mashiach comes. Hashem is constantly testing us. But it's this theme of genuine faith, of seeing the world, seeing the world, experiencing the world from God's point of view. That's what God is asking us. I'm enabling you. I'm giving you the ability to see the world as I see the world. It's not that God is out to get us. On the contrary. God is, has so much faith in us. God has faith in us. <laughs> Some would call it blind faith. He says, I'm enabling you to see the world as I see it. That's the greatest gift. That's the greatest blessing. To see the world as it truly is. To see reality as it truly is from the inside out. Dynamic, vibrant, filled with life, filled with energy, filled with strength, with hope, with courage. But once we get to this place where we're seeing good in everything and we're able to get to that level, don't we start just kind of losing our emotion and lose like our empathy for others? Very good question. Again, I'll refer to you in the introductory lesson. All of this discussion is only in relation to yourself. Not, God forbid, in relation to another person. When another person suffers, that's intolerable. You don't say that another person's suffering is okay, it's all good. Mazel tov. <laughs> God blessed you when he's making your kiddush, your grand kiddush. All this wonderful good. No, 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 no. It's all for yourself. Another person's suffering is intolerable. Another person's suffering, we have to storm heaven and earth and we have to empathize and it's, we can't accept it and, and we can't tolerate it for a moment. It's only for ourselves. It comes to ourselves, our own pain and suffering, our own deprivation, our own challenges. All of these explanations are only for ourselves. God forbid, not in another Jew. Another Jew is 
they have to, everything has to be good, literally good, and physically good, and purely good. And the truth is, we're going to learn later on, at the end of the chapter, that even with ourselves, there's still a mitzvah, it's a biblical commandment to pray. We want things to be good. We don't, we're not machines. We don't become inhuman. We don't become inhuman and say, oh, it's wonderful, so mazel tov. Hashem wants us to pray because things oh, have to literally be good. But let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll discuss it, please God, either next week or the following week. Um, but all of this, the whole discussion is only in relationship to ourselves. That was a very good point you brought up. When it comes to another Jew, there's no, there's no making peace with pain and suffering. God forbid, the slightest inconvenience of another Jew, the slightest pain of another Jew is inconceivable, is, 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 is not acceptable, and we have to storm heaven and earth to change the decree and make sure that everything should literally be good in the physical sense, on the human level, on the practical level, and the tangible level. So it's very, no, it's, it's very important not to confuse um, it's not like we're making peace with pain and suffering and uh, someone suffers, well, wonderful. <laughs> God forbid. It's a very powerful letter. To be continued. The Rebbe would always remind us that we are a unique generation. There's never been a generation like ours, and there never will be. We are the transitional generation, the last generation of Golas, of exile, and we will be the first generation of Geula, of redemption. What an awesome privilege we have, and what a sacred responsibility we carry on our shoulders. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to bring the curtain down on the Golas once and for all? Well, Mashiach himself gave the secret away in his famous encounter with the Baal Shem Tev. He tells the Baal Shem Tev that when your wellsprings and the teachings of Hasidus will spread to every corner of the world, then and only then will Mashiach come. And therefore the Alter Rebbe sacrificed his life to carry out this directive to the Baal Shem Tev by writing and publishing the Tanya. And all the Rebbe's sacrificed themselves to publicize and to expound on the teachings of the Tanya. And the Rebbe, the seventh, the Shabbos of all the Rebbes, published over 6,000 Tanyas, literally in every city of the world. And now, for the first time in history, through LessonsInTanya.com, Tanya in depth is available and accessible 24-6 to hundreds of thousands, Jews as well as non-Jews, in dozens of countries all around the world. Now that you've had the personal experience and the pleasure to study the Tanya, we ask you to please partner with us to make the entire Tanya available and easily accessible to each and every Jew and to the entire world. Please help turn the wish of Mashiach, the dream of the Alter Rebbe, and the vision of the Rebbe into a reality. On behalf of all of us here at LessonsInTanya.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. And a special thank you for the good deed that you're about to do. In honor of your tzedakah, we will merit the coming of Mashiach now when we'll learn Tanya 
from the Alter Rebbe himself. Thank you.